you ever heard a strange noise in the middle of the night? Hello? Ever seen something you couldn't quite explain? What's that? Ever been visited by a loved one in a dream? What are you? Psychic mediums Katie Manning and Michelle Lyons-Polito talk about it all. Welcome to the Psychic on the Scene podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Psychic on the Scene. And we have a wonderful return guest tonight, Steve Ward. Um, again, this is Katie, your favorite roommate psychic medium. And with me, as always, my co-host, Dee Scott, my amazing Hi. producer. Hello. Hi, Dee. Hi. <laughs> and my other wonderful, amazing friend and co-host, psychic medium, Michelle Lyons-Polito. Hi, everyone. And we are so excited, Steve, to have you back. And I'm going to say right off, I have never heard of this before. It has never come up in any of my Google searches. So no. I am very excited to hear about the Beast of Bray Road. So, well, it's, it's actually due to a great researcher named uh, Linda Godfrey. She, uh, and uh, she lived in the uh, Elkhorn, Wisconsin area, which is in mm -hmm. Southern Wisconsin. And okay. uh, she was working for a little newspaper called The Week. And she was writing a little column and doing some illustrations and so forth. And people started reporting, seeing this strange animal uh, along Bray Road. Now Bray Road is just east of Elkhorn. It's, uh, it's okay. only about four, four and a half miles long. And uh, you have to kind of know where it is to find it. And it goes through farm country and uh, people started seeing these, uh, they'd see something that looked like a dog, a big mangy dog uh, hmm. on all fours. And then it would stand up oh, on two legs and be five or six feet tall and look kind of mean and nasty. Sometimes it was eating roadkill. Sometimes it was just running across the road. Well, it wasn't just this area, but it seemed to congregate around Bray Road. And so she thought, well, it's, it's been slow. <laughs> it's been a slow news day, slow news week. And so and she- And I'm sorry, I, Steve, to interrupt yeah. you again, what was the year? This was about uh, the mid nineties, I believe. Oh, early, okay, okay. No, it was the early nineties when this first erupted about 91 or so. And uh, so she went and uh, I went to the local sheriff and he, he knew about it. And he actually, there was a file folder called wow. Werewolf. <laughs> on it <laughs> because they had been collecting these strange reports of these upright canines for quite some time and Ooh. with some very credible people and so she started uh, looking into it and started interviewing people and, and found that these people were kind of taken aback and you know it's almost like it's, it's almost like as strange as, as it is to see a bigfoot that's kind mm. of accepted right if you see an upright canid uh, uh with yellow eyes staring at you with with an evil uh, apparently evil intent or what seems <laughs> to be evil intent okay. uh that's maybe something that people want to talk about that much uh it, it's very strange because uh she writes that her first book was called the beast of bray road when she started collecting these reports now she's written several other books to follow that but the okay. beast of bray road came out about the mid 90s i believe and uh it gets very strange because she said that she found that people that were seeing this thing were also experiencing other types of paranormal phenomena. Hmm. Uh, the uh, the local control officer whose name I don't recall, he was talking to a young lady who was one of the, one of the original or one of the early witnesses to this thing. 
And while they were talking about this, she was bringing up the possibility, well, maybe there's some kind of cult activity involved or whatever. And then all of a sudden, several books flew off the shelf in this office and they weren't touched or bumped. Oh, like a little poltergeist outbreak. Very strange. You talk about something strange and this happens. No, well, no. She, she collected a lot of these reports and uh, there, there's several books out. And, and uh, one of the, uh, she mentioned a, uh, a farmer who has property along Bray Road. And originally she didn't use his name. He was just uh, Mr. Smith. And mm -hmm. we, he knew it, he was a, a mathematics teacher for about 45 years in the Illinois area. And okay. he was going to this property to do some farming and started having all kinds of bizarre things happen on this land. Well, in, uh, in, in a subsequent book called Monsters Among Us, she reveals who this man was. He's no longer uh, keeping it quiet. His name is Lee Hample. And okay. he is featured... Yeah. He is featured in the uh, uh, the small town monsters people, you know, that do the great uh, documentaries. Okay, yep. they did the Bray Road Beast, and he's featured toward the end of it. And uh, also, when I was speaking at the Bray Road conference last October, the Bucks County Paranormal people were out there, and uh, they spent a lot of time with Lee Hample talking to him, and they did an investigation that night on the property. And I'll, I'll get to what happened there later because that was pretty creepy. Uh, we're all going back for another conference at, at the end of April, and uh, they're going to go back and do another another investigation. But, yeah, the coolest things. <laughs> so, so what happened was he he he, uh, he thought this was nuts at first. I mean, here he is. He he, uh, the, he bought the property about 2011, and uh, there. Uh, uh, is baling hay is you know uh, uh i don't know what you call it creating hay uh, growing yeah. hay. anyway he's baling a hay. Yes. yes and he's he's retired it's, it's just something he's doing and uh so he, some of the people some of the neighbors are saying things like you know there's a werewolf in those woods back there on your property and he's thinking what the <sighs> hell are you talking about and mm -hmm. he starts talking to more people and some of them are very credible and they're telling him what they saw these this and then one night he's out in his car, it's dark and he's pulling into his driveway and he sees it and oh. he's running like, like you can't believe across the, the, uh, the property. The, the property is very, very I close. would shit my pants. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I'd be paralyzed in my car or like in a, in a fetal position. I, I mean, I, I act all big and bad, but something like that. I mean, you'd crap yourself. You would. So you don't want to be on the next investigation time. without a pair of Depends. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. A change of clothes. Oh well, it's, not a, it's not a bad precaution to take. Uh, <laughs> right. But, uh, he... Uh, and then later that night, he, he really put two and two together. He had an hour missing time. Oh. So here he sees oh. this bizarre cryptid and he has missing time. Is uh, that a common thing, Steve, when people have those experiences with well, the cryptids? The, the I've heard is, it before. Well, but we, we know that missing time is associated with, with UFO encounters. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and Mothman too, right? Um, there was, uh, yes, yes, not too much. There was a, a man that went to a trance. Uh, oh, standing on his okay. front porch, but uh, there, there were other kind of UFO encounters where people lost time. But I don't know if uh, if anybody if it was a lot of uh, situations where people lost time. But right. the thing is, the point is that all these things are tied together. You know, we think yep. of try to put these things as separate, but they're not. And uh, 
but uh, so what happened was he was putting out, uh, uh, well, it, it, was, it was some roadkill he had put out at, on his property. And he put out, there were some, there were some cameras out there and the, the roadkill would disappear or it was mm -hmm. like, a, a, like a raccoon or whatever. And it was surgically cut open, like with a blade or whatever and left there. Yeah. And something was moving these things around, but the cameras would never fire when it was there. Huh. He, he started finding bizarre footprints, uh, five-toed, not supposed to exist, with a pad and a heel. Uh, he took photographs of them. They would start in the dirt or the snow in the middle of nowhere, go on for a while, and then stop. Now, this we hear this wow. in a lot of Bigfoot uh, right. too, yeah. even uh, in yep. the middle of nowhere. And he, he has tried to, uh, you know, he, he sent them to the DNR. He tried to get uh, universities involved and nobody wants to touch it. He was, he's been called a liar by some of these people. Mm. One, one guy told him that, well, you, you just got some uh, uh, stilts from, uh, from someplace and just you're walking around your property. And then others said, well, it's the double footprint thing. You know, you hear about when sometimes a bear or whatever will step on, step on the same footprint. It that. looks odd. Well, these mm -hmm. things go on forever. So you would have to have two animals in perfect sync creating these bizarre footprints. Right. So he starts, mm -hmm. so he does more and more with, with, uh, with chat cameras as time goes on. And he starts, uh, now we, when we went there for the uh, Beast of Bray Road conference, th that uh, Saturday night, we went to his property and we sat down in his barn and he had it set up we, we, for two hours, we saw hundreds of photographs that he's taken on this property. Wow. And he's been taking them for the last 10 years. And you'll see all kinds of bizarre objects in the sky, uh, you know, right. classic sort of saucer-shaped things. And you can tell by the timestamp, it's whipping around a tree. Uh, you'll see kind of a shadow of a shoulder or whatever that we're assuming might be the dog man. And even right. seeing some of these things kind of way off in the distance. And uh, the, one of the really strange things now, Linda Godfrey started writing about some of these things early. And uh, I had Lee Hample on my show, The, the High Strangeness Factor, a few months back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I asked what it was like for Linda Godfrey, because here she'd been writing about this. And all of a sudden she finds this, there's this property, which is almost like a laboratory. You know, you, you write about it and you, you and interview witnesses, but here's a place where it's actually happening. Uh, now, here's another thing that she wrote about the strange mists that keep showing up on this property. Mm. And it, sometimes they're just captured by the camera because there's one photograph we saw in the daylight. Lee Hample was out there. He has, apparently has triggered one of his own cameras and you see this mist floating by, but he didn't see anything visually. Now at night, again, you've got mm. these timestamps. So, you know, you see and he had a a, a carcass of a deer out there one time. And you, you got the timestamp, you see it out there with the infrared you know, uh, photograph and a mist shows up for a while and then the carcass is gone. Oh, uh, no. No drag marks, no footprints. And this has happened, he's done this several times with carcasses from animals. Has uh, he, he ever has so thought much... about selling the property? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. He, had, he, he would really would love to have a, a university or some, you know, scientifically minded people. He considers himself a scientist. You know, he told Linda Godfrey, he said, you know, 
uh, when he first met her, he said, if I had read your books three months before any of this happened, I would have thrown them in the trash. But now <laughs> he knows. And even he says, this man of science, he says, this must be some kind of portal. Things seem to, you know, yeah. like, like John Keel talked about window areas. These yeah. things yeah. sort of sort of float in and float out, you know. Um, and we talked about that the last time that you were on with these portals and that it seems to be in different. Now, is there other locations near him <laughs> that have had these similar experiences or has this been discovered in mythology like Native American yeah. uh, talked about or in other countries? Um, the, uh, the, the dog man, uh, the Anubis or whatever, is a right. symbol that goes back for a long time. It may be connected to the same thing. Uh, there's okay. uh, the, the lady that runs the uh, uh, Beast of Brave Road Conference, uh, uh, Donna Fink, uh, she knows of several other areas in, around there where this kind of similar activity happens, strange cryptids and so forth. But this particular piece of property just seems to be a real hotbed. Um, mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, you know, I can't, he hasn't released that many of the photographs. You can see some of them in the, in the if you go to the Bucks County Paranormal site and look at their uh, investigation into Lee Hample's farm, the, the Bray Road Beast, uh, you'll, you'll see some of the, some of those photographs and also on the Smelling Town Monsters video. But it's, uh, it, here's, here's the thing that, that is, uh, you know, we, we're always trying to, uh, as human beings, we're trying to figure things out. We, we mm -hmm. naturally, uh, gravitate toward, toward some kind of an explanation as to how these things can be. Right. But here's what, what drives me crazy about this. This Bray Road beast, uh, at least on Lee Hample's property, it acts like an animal. It eats roadkill. Mm. It, uh, it eats bait. Uh, right. Yet, there's some kind of technology that seems to mask its activities for the most part. Huh. Why? And, and, you know, we don't really understand. There's, these photographs are so bizarre. There's, there's one, it's in daylight. You, you see this, it's like a, a black rope or line or something like that. And it's in the middle of the picture, suspended in the air. And it's, it, it uh, goes through two sort of humps or waves and it's just suspended there. Then he moved the image over so you can see the rest of it. And there's some kind of a boxy, mechanical device that I don't know if it's on the ground or if it's floating and has a couple of balls on it. It's just, it's so hard to, to describe this, but there's this bizarre uh, technology. We don't understand. There's, you, you see there's all these things in the sky that look kind of like drones or whatever. And uh, it, crazy. It's, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and so my, my idea is that, well, let me uh, let me go to the uh, the beast of Bray Road, the, uh, the the Bucks County investigation. They uh, when you watch that video, they didn't stay out there all night like they like they planned on. <laughs> they uh, uh, they're they're out there and they're feeling you know even even Eric Eric Mintel who usually doesn't get spooked in these things he was getting a vibe. Now Dominic Settel, and Ellen Collins was there also. She's uh, She's their person in Wisconsin. They are from Pennsylvania, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Dominic Sattel, when he was on my show, I asked him, because he's a sensitive. And I said, what were you feeling out there? And he said, I felt like I was underwater in a shark tank mm. and I was holding a shark cage and I was holding the bait. Oh, he was God. really freaked out. And the funny wow. thing is the next week, 
they did an investigation off in uh, the Pine Barrens. Uh, they were with some Bigfoot researchers that have had, you know, heard, heard calls and so forth out there. And Dom, they're out there in the middle of nowhere in the dark and Dominic remarks, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable here than I did on Bray Road. You know, and Bray Road is close to civilization, it's close to Elkhorn. So they're out there that night and they see a UFO in the sky, a light, uh, a meandering light that it's, it's moving, you know, it's not a plane, it doesn't have the right lights and they're watching it move and then all of a sudden it just zips across the sky. So they had a bizarre UFO sighting. And then they start hearing these howls and you can hear oh. them on the video. Now I'm not any expert on, on animals, so I don't know what they were hearing, but there were two of them on, on kind of on either side. I mean, I mean, it, could, kind of like communicating to each other? Uh, perhaps, I mean, they would howl back okay. and forth. They said they saw eye shine about six feet off the ground. Oh. So if it was a coyote, I don't, I don't think coyotes can, can walk around on stilts, but uh, <laughs> it was just, right. and they were getting really, really creeped out. And then the, they started to get a mist coming, coming in. Now, it wasn't a real thick mist. It possibly, it was just normal atmospheric conditions, but they decided to get the hell out of there. Mm. Now, I talked to some other people uh, um, that, uh, that live in the area, and they were out there one night with Lee Hample's permission. Mm -hmm. And they were out till about three in the morning. And then all of a sudden, this incredibly thick mist started rolling in. It was so thick, they couldn't see anything. They were concerned about their, their, their electronic equipment getting damp and, and, and getting ruined. So they decided to get the hell out of there. But, you know, I, I would love to go out there one night just to see how, uh, mm -hmm. test my metal and, and see if I, if I, you know, if I wear the Depends and I don't actually yeah. have to use them, then I can, I have bragging rights. But uh, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just incredible. And so I invite people to see that, uh, that video. The, uh, it's at the end of April, they're gonna have a, uh, it'll be a three day event. They're gonna, the first night is going to be a, a, uh, a uh, what do you call it? A, a town meeting and uh, with some of the locals because there's a lot of people that have seen these things. The next day is gonna be the conference where I'll be speaking. And mm. then uh, also cool. then, then the following night, Bucks County will be out there again to see if they can stay out longer this time uh, trying to brave the beast of Bray Road. But it is, uh, it is just, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to looking at these kind of uh, high strangeness areas. After all, Mothman was accompanied by UFOs, uh, uh, paranormal phenomena, uh, men in mm -hmm. black and, and all sorts of things. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have the Skinwalker Ranch, which is mm -hmm. has all kinds of bizarre. And that sounds a lot like this yes. as you're talking, because it has, the, and, and I believe, you know, like I became obsessed after you were on our episode, I watched all of the, the ones on um, like Netflix and all of that yeah. about it. Right. And I, I had no idea that I'd seen like maybe bits and reports on different shows. I think um, the the Osbournes had gone there and-, and They did. And, and, and I, I really, Jack Osborne is one of my favorite people. So I thought that was interesting, but to, to see the show as it unfolded, to see so many, as you said, paranormal, it's almost like clumped together. It's not just one thing. It's, it's, it's UFOs and it's footprints and it's sounds and it's um, kind of poltergeist activity, physical activity. That's another thing I was going to ask, has anybody physically been harmed in um in any of the reports connected with the beast 
not that I know of. That's one thing where the a lot of times people are approached by these things. They they feel these things are evil. There, there right. seems to be a different vibe to these than say a Bigfoot encounter. Not curious. But, it's not a curious kind of a feeling or kind of like uh, I know with some of the Bigfoot encounters, they've said that they're almost startled. Right. When when yeah. they've seen them. But, but this is and, and I'm wondering you know cereal. If these things out there, whatever actually controls them or, or, or whatever, that there's, there has to be some kind of connection with the, the technology that's, that's apparently surrounding them. It's almost like there are sentries there to, yes. to scare the hell out of people and keep them away from this area. Perhaps, oh. perhaps there's a liminal area where the air is thin, so to speak. I mean, why are we seeing all these things in this area? And we, we wouldn't normally see them unless if Lee DeHample didn't have all these cameras going all the time. Mm. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to see some of it or if right. we just happened to see some of it. But well, maybe, uh, maybe it's not something that either our technology yet, Steve, or our human eyes can even see. Just, um, yeah. Is there a connection with um, either a time of year that these seem to peak? And then, you know, kind of quiet down I'm a, again. A, aware of, but when you, when you mentioned that we don't always see these things, mm -hmm. Lee sent us a, uh, an image he took with uh, uh, an infrared photography, mm. uh, just an area of his uh, uh, land. And it looks like a fire. I mean, you see the glowing, you see mm. the smoke and everything, but there was absolutely nothing there visually, nothing. Jeez. Years ago, the, some of the very first paranormal shows um, that were coming on, everybody was trying different technology to see what they could detect. Right. And I can remember the first time somebody used that, the infrared, and people were feeling uh, activity or in certain areas, and they'd film it with the regular camera, nothing. And then they would use the infrared, and then there would be images or energy kind right. of like showing up in the frame. And then Michelle and I um, have been on investigations where they use that other camera, and I never can remember what it is. Yeah, Michelle, it's a temperature. The, no, not that one. The one that has the little scarecrow. Oh, the little stick people. Yeah, and it yeah. shows up because it's supposed to detect movement. So yeah. it shows up in a different color. Now, all the paranormal people that are listening, you're going to be like, you know what that is. But <laughs> that fascinates me because it's another thing that it cannot be detected by the eye and it's caught on film. It'll be fine. And then myself or somebody else to say, it's freezing cold over here. I just got my right. hair cold. And then that that thing shows up on the screen, like moving around. Right, Did right when ever, you're feeling it. <clears throat> right. Did incredible. they ever do anything there, Steve? Or is this part of the ongoing, excuse me, investigation? Like what's in the ground? What are the minerals there? Is there some comparison to these other areas like the Skinwalker Ranch or whatever that's there, in the there ground? There may be. There seems to be, uh, they've done some work on that, on the Skinwalker Ranch. There are yeah. people that have gone into that where I haven't, where the, uh, uh, whether it be uh, uh, limestone or quartz crystals or whatever, mm. it, it may well be that these uh, things are uh, amplified or exacerbated because of the surroundings. But it yeah. I don't think that's what creates it. There's something else going on. Um, you know, I, when I when I try to figure out why why these things show up and then they they disappear. Uh, the, well, the first thing is, you know, there's a uh, there's an incident that Linda Godfrey talks about in Monsters Among Us, and that is uh, an incident in the '80s in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a, a, a 
uh, someone's driving along Route 81 or maybe 88, I'm not sure, and it's at night. And he notices that the road is, is going through an area, kind of cuts through a kind of a hill. And up to his right, it's, it's, it's wooded. But he sees this light meandering through the woods. And he's thinking, what is it, a guy on a four-wheeler driving like crazy? And mm. when he gets to the road, what's going to happen here? So I better slow down. But then he sees it. It's kind of a ball of light or an orb. And it morphs into a classic dogman. And then oh, it sprints across no the road. Now, there are several... Uh, incidents. Me too. Well, that's perhaps perhaps that's what we're seeing. This thing is a ball of energy, or it comes from elsewhere, and then it forms, and then it starts leaving footprints. But there mm. are many cases like this. There are orbs associated with Bigfoot. Uh, uh, also, there's a uh, a great researcher, Paul Devereaux, who's written many books mm -hmm. on Earth energies and so forth. Mm -hmm. He coined a term called proto entities, and what what he oh. calls a proto entity is where the creature or even the craft is indistinguishable from the the light or the ball of light sometimes mm -hmm. the the ufo or the craft morphs into the aliens uh, uh sometimes there was an incident in uh near nottingham canal in england uh in the 80s where three boys they were by this canal and they, the steam was coming up and then it kind of it seemed to form into a mist or a light or whatever and it started coming toward them well then it started to morph into a, the way they didn't say Bigfoot, but the way they described it, it was very much like a Bigfoot creature mm. that they could see through it. But only two of them saw that. The, the third one wow. saw the light, but couldn't understand. He was a little unnerved by it, but he couldn't understand why they were freaking out because he did not see the creature. But this thing never actually became solid, but it was indistinguishable. It was connected to the, the ball of light or the energy or whatever where it sure. first came from, hence a proto-entity. Another example, uh, uh, the only, you know, we, we, we uh, uh, investigators call all kinds of winged creatures uh, a, an appearance of the Mothman. Well, the Mothman was pretty distinct in its description. You know, a little over 100 people saw it that year in the mid-60s. And right. while there were some variations, most of them, you know, described it as about six foot, uh, it didn't, its head looked like it was sunken down in its chest. I mean, that's where the eyes were, a 10 foot wingspan and so forth. And when it walked, it kind of shuffled. Well, almost exactly three years to the day before that in Kent, England, uh, some uh, kids were, teenagers were coming back from a dance and they saw a light come down behind a grove of trees. And mm -hmm. then they saw another light. And then they saw this thing, which was very much like the classic Mothman to show up three years later only it didn't have the red glowing eyes. Hmm. So uh, another, wow. another perhaps, now he, he, uh, he gives uh, uh, Devereaux in uh, a book called Earth Energies. He gives a lot of examples. He even goes back to the 1800s off the, oh boy, the Isle of Skye maybe, I'm trying to remember, yes. but uh, he's uh, the witness sees this ball of light coming in from the ocean. It comes up on the, uh, on the edge of the cliff, morphs into a woman, carrying a child, carrying a baby, an infant, mm, and then God. she walks off and vanishes. So again, you know, what, what's really, he gives all kinds of examples. So what's really going on here? Keel, John Keel knews that perhaps uh, in, in the Mothman prophecies, he wondered if these strange meandering lights, if people were seeing those, that perhaps that was the only objectively real thing about the experience. And then when it morphed into something, Perhaps they were people who were being programmed 
or maybe it was actually a transmogrification of energy, but yes. it might change into different things depending on who was viewing it. Wow. Well, I kind of was thinking that when you were when you were talking about this, but I kind of wanted to word it in a different way. But I think that perception, that's no different than when we talk about clairvoyance. People have right. subjective versus objective clairvoyance. So you and I could be sitting in the same room and um, I might see somebody walk by, but you don't see them. Or I might hear somebody say hello, but it's really in my head. Or two people might hear the hello, but not everybody's hearing it. Exactly. So that's a, that's a big deal that like people's perception of it. The other end of this is, has it been even thought of that perhaps that this is almost like a, an experimental place that they're sending these things down for us to, to, you know, like maybe they're putting this like being there to see how it's going to react you know, in our, in our atmosphere. Uh, like the Lee Hample's farm, um, I don't know, you know, it, it's almost, my, my impression, I think, is that whatever is going on there is they're, they're going about their business, doing whatever, and they don't give a damn about right. they, they have, they have uh, uh, things in place where they're not uh, readily seen, and, uh, you know, you, you have to work at it to see them. You have to have a lot of cameras or whatever. But, but again, perhaps they don't, you know, they want us to see parts of it. Now, in going back to Kiel and the way that these things come into existence, I, I have to, I, I wonder, this is, this is, this is on the, getting on the speculation train, but don't right, worry, right. it's going slow. You can jump off anytime. You know, okay. we, we, are headed toward, we are headed toward a ravine and the bridge is out. So um, one yet, you know, Kiel mused a lot. He wondered about these cryptids and how he right. thought that perhaps they, they come into existence sometimes, whatever mechanism that is. And when they're here, they act like physical animals. They will, they might kill other animals to eat. They might eat roadkill. And then in, in the eighth tower, he mused, well, perhaps they just sort of melt away when all the energy is dissipated or when they're, right. they're not useful anymore. Well, what if, what if this technology, this intelligence, I'm going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is, but what if they put these they create these constructs, these temporary constructs to scare the hell out of people mm -hmm. and keep them away while they're doing their, their thing. Now, it doesn't always work that way. It makes people more curious. So you, you have to wonder, you know, th th this is just a rank speculation. So I don't really know what's going on, but it has always, you know, the, uh, uh, in the, the, the film, The Mothman Prophecies, you've all seen it? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, uh, there's, there's, there's some great scenes between Richard Gere's character and Alan Bates, Richard Gere playing John Klein, Alan Bates playing uh, Dr. Leek. Yep. And Dr. Leek says to Richard Gere, who's trying to figure this out, he says, uh, you're more advanced than a cockroach. Have you ever tried to explain yourself to one? <laughs> and then there's another, another part in the film where Richard Gere's character is at his wit's end. All this stuff is going on. He's desperate to know what's, what's happening. Dr. Leek, his character, has been through all this and it backfired. He tried to warn people about the prophecies coming. It destroyed his life. And right. Richard Gere, I love this scene. He says, well, didn't you need to know? And Alan Bates, he plays it so well. He, he pauses, he cocks his head a little bit and says, we're not allowed to know. Mm. And I wonder 
uh, and here's another another caveat. Um, a friend of mine, Cheryl Lynn Carter, has written co-written a couple of books on the Skinwalker Ranch, and she's done a lot of great research on them. She she has she's got found stuff that is not in the Hunt for the Skinwalker, the original book by Colin mm -hmm. Kelleher and, and George Knapp. And she she talks about an incident where Terry Sherman, he's the, the rancher where all this, he and his family were there and all this bizarre stuff started happening. He had, he doesn't know if it was purely a dream or if it was an experience that he remembered as a dream, but he sees himself on some kind of craft. He looks out the window and he can see outer space. There's two men in uniforms there. Mm -hmm. And the important, the message is to him at that time was, it will do us no good to tell you what we're doing here because you couldn't possibly understand. Oh. So, you know, we're not allowed to know. Maybe we can't, maybe it is, it's like uh, Jacques Vallée, another great researcher. He talks about something called metalogic. And he wonders because the, it, when, when people have encounters with what appear to be aliens or the others amongst us, let's just call them that, mm. uh, sometimes the, the behavior is just bizarre. They, there was one where, uh, uh, it was a Tennessee, uh, the Trasco encounter where uh, these little guys, <laughs> little guys, I think they had little tunics on, they, they, they land in their craft. And mm -hmm. the one said to, to Trasco, we don't mean you no harm. We just want your dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he had a few words for them about taking his dog. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and there was one, one incident where the being said, I'm a terrestrial not an extraterrestrial, but a terrestrial. Mm. Sometimes the behavior is so bizarre that they, these entities, whatever they actually originate from, they don't behave in a manner that we might think an advanced race would. So Jacques Vallée coined the term metalogic, where it's sort of beyond what we can understand. I, in the same I, yeah. way that if we went to a very primitive uh, uh, yes. society in the Amazon and did our normal stuff, they might say, what the, what is that right. all about? You know, they would have their own bizarre stories right. about what we're doing. And not, and not know, like, or understand, like, you know, how we communicate, you're using your hands and your, but I always think of this as, and it kind of ties back with what we were saying before. I always think of it, are, are we the ones that are being examined? Is this right. some sort of a study on us, our behavior, or is this just kind of like, you know, the earth is like an educational place where other planets are actually doing these things to kind of see, well, let's see what happens when we put in a dog man. <laughs> let's see what happens when, it, it, when we put in be. a Bigfoot. Right. It's all sort of up for grabs. But if, if they're studying us, when the heck are they going to graduate? I mean, they yeah, right. probably but have been doing this for centuries. Right. But who knows if it's like, you know, the incoming class at SCC, it's, you know, it's like the freshman class every year. Well, you got to take, you got to do your, you know, you got to do your um, chemistry. Yeah, right. You got to go to, got to go to earth and check out those people and see, you know, what their reaction is. Are they evolving or not? One of the few things I would say is with certainty, and there's not too many things you can do that with, is that there's more than one answer to these things. Mm. Yes. The, the Bigfoot phenomenon. There is more than one answer. There's not just, it's not just a, uh, I, I love, I love when people post things on Facebook. They, they have the answer, you know, mm -hmm. uh, one, one lady posted Bigfoot is simply an unknown primate, which is very shy. And I thought, well, you're not listening to the, 
reports of the hundreds mm-hmm. of reports of people that report a high strangeness aspect to this. Mm-hmm. Right. That oftentimes people, when they encounter these things, they they withhold information because it's it's again it's strange enough saying I saw a Bigfoot, but then if it if it vanished, if I could see through it, if it if it seemed to be in conjunction with strange lights, then that puts it up to a higher level. So it's uh, my one of the uh, one of the basic premises I started with the last time I spoke at the Bray Road Conference was that we have to listen to the experiencer, and because we no matter what we all kind of go in with with an idea. We have certain ideas based on our experience, our reading, right. and our, our thinking about this, what these things might be. But we really have to kind of kind of put a lid on it and, and listen. Because and once we do that, the second thing is that you start to find interesting patterns that other yes. people, that they, the individual has no idea that they would write. Right. When I, uh, I don't know if I, I gave this example before on one of the previous shows, but a lady I spoke to uh, from New Hampshire, she and her husband had missing time uh, mm-hmm. on their front porch. They saw a strange light. Later on, they realized oh, we're, we've lost about a half hour. I don't and know so, why that terrifies. That absolutely terrifies me. Well, Anytime yeah. that, that, that concept comes up and they say, and then they were reseated in a car and they had, the couple well, had lost and we hear that often, but they yeah, were in the right positions in the, the car. And they were, right. And they, they were, were standing they lost right like next an to hour. each other. And right. then all of a sudden they're not standing next to each other. And it's a little bit lighter out. It was early in the morning when they were out on the porch and they looked up and they saw this giant black triangle so low it's touching the tops of the trees. Mm. So she started to pursue, tried to find a, a therapist where she could re- recover these memories. It took a while, but even before that, she, she got a hold of me through Facebook. And so I applied several questions that Keel would ask people. Keel, okay. John Keel advanced this field by at least a century. Uh, he had uh, these great catchphrases. And one of, the, one of them was, ask the contactee what they had for breakfast. What he mm. meant was ask the experiencer what all about what she, he or she had experienced all their life. Because he found that somebody that had missing time or saw a strange creature or a strange light in the sky very often has had a whole history of bizarre mm. things happening to I them. I agree with that. I, I find that a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure Michelle has with, with um, say, a family oh, yeah. contacts. It's about a child or a young adult mm-hmm. that has um, experiences and or can talk about past lives. Yeah. If I get them, if we get them to go back, they seem to talk about similar things, even though they've never met or known each other, that has to do with these past life experiences or, or psychic ability. Well, this, so, this yeah, lady, that's interesting. To, to, to kind of shorten it, I, I found out that uh, they were experiencing haunting type phenomena in their house. Oh. Both her sons were experiencing orb phenomena. One would see golden orbs dancing outside his window when he went to bed at night. The other one, the older one, saw a orb or light or whatever come up to him in the house, circle him, and then take off in another part of the house. Hmm. Um, they, she saw a shadow person something she described like a shadow moving across the wall. That's, one, that's something that Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the great researcher who we lost a couple of years ago, she discovered when she was investigating people's reports of shadow people that a significant percentage of them were also experiencing classic so-called 
alien abduction phenomenon. Mm. But but here's the here's the killer for the the the, wow. the, the lady that uh, was having all these experiences. Later on, she did have kind of a breakthrough, but uh, she also no. I, I asked her. I said because I know people that had these kinds of experiences have also seen some kind of cryptid sometimes. So I said, uh-huh. this is going to sound, this might sound crazy, but I wonder if you've ever seen anything like a Bigfoot or some kind of an animal you couldn't identify. And she told me, no, she hadn't. And then she stopped and she said, well, you know, my mother-in-law and sister-in-law saw something very strange near the property. This thing was seen twice. Mm. It looked like a black panther standing on two legs. Oh, geez. So if, if I had been frozen in the 1960s, Yes, that's how old I am. When thinking that UFOs were just ET and that was it, I would have told her that I hope you make your breakthrough and find out about the aliens. But after reading John Keel and, and some of these other researchers, I you know know now. We we actually we all know now to find out all about that person and see it because you will find that they have had all kinds of inexplicable experiences. Um, locally. I can tell you of two areas that that has happened. One is out towards Amsterdam, uh, Duanesburg, Delanson, that I will encounter clients that talk to me about, um, and they're all different walks of life. Like that might Mm -hmm. be an older woman that's well-to-do. It might be a family that maybe, you know, struggles a little bit more, but lives on a farm, but they're all within you know, say like a 50 mile radius of each other in that area. And they will talk to me about haunting experiences, shadow people in the house, things moving, hearing things, almost to the point of being afraid of possession. And as they're finishing up, then they throw in, they'll go, um, also wanted to ask you, we keep seeing the lights out in the field. Mm. And it's all in that area. So when I had met Barb, um, who's a good friend of us, that's been yeah. on the show, Barb Nesnick, she says that that's been going on for years out in that area. Um, and then there's an area in Rotterdam that is towards King's Road. It's kind mm-hmm. of in triangulation in Gilderland and Rotterdam, but it's King's Road. Um, um, the Morris? Spawn, Spawn Road. Oh, yeah. yeah, all in that, in mm-hmm. that area where people have told me in different things, stories that have happened, kind of similar, Steve, to what you're talking. And the one I can remember was a family and they lived over on King's Road and they were saying that they were sitting out on their front porch and there's a big open field. Um, I think it's like a, you know, like a cornfield or something across mm-hmm. the street out in front of them. And um, they had years, for years, had different haunting experiences. But one night when they were sitting out on the porch, they started hearing crazy sounds coming from the field and it was dark and they were like what is it is somebody messing around with us mm-hmm. and then they said oh as they started to try and get closer to examine thinking maybe it was a wounded animal or something out in this field making this strange animalistic noise then they heard it running at them like oh, and they had seen orb lights um that was a part of this over that field different times Um, so as they started to approach the field, they could hear this thing like charging them. So they all started to run back to the front porch and then it just stopped. It just vanished, but it was full on. They, they expected to see something of a large size, um, barreling them down, um, crossbutt. 
And then, you know, they still encountered the orbs across the field that just didn't happen again like that. But they heard it. It wasn't like any other animal or an owl or anything that they had ever heard before. That whole area, sometimes when I'm even just driving in that area, I don't like to be there at night. Uh, And I don't get, you know me, I don't get scared easily at all unless I'm watching a scary movie. But I get unnerved in that area that you just mentioned especially where it touches the pine bush yep there is a cemetery that's kind of a a hidden old cemetery um jimmy and his father and then they they've hunted back there for years Mm -hmm. walked around and um it was for travelers that had been like highwaymen had killed them and buried them out there so there was a makeshift um, memorial type thing memorial burial and it had for years had nobody it clearly had been forgotten and then just recently um jim senior had said that he noticed he'd been out there and it was cleaned up like somebody yeah. was caring for it but again it ties in michelle with kind of that oogie boogie feeling like yeah. nobody can see that from the road but you kind of feel it you can absolutely feel it yeah so what if these I've always wondered, you know, when you see these weird animals that don't seem to fit our perception of our reality, I've often thought of like those kingfisher birds that fly there of the air, and then they're suddenly in the water for a little while, moving around and grabbing a fish, and then they're back out. Yep. That's, I've always wondered that, or sometimes I wondered, it's like, this is like, almost like a dog park for aliens it's like oh this is a good spot to stop and let them hunt and go pee (laughs) right right sort of a phantom menagerie yes exactly (laughs) exactly i think it's interesting though that if there's so many people that have had that experience of in different areas that couldn't possibly know or touch each other have Mm -hmm. that um same similar experience right similar experience like it's just there there's no way for that to have been a coincidence or in different Mm -hmm. times that it comes up over and over again and also you get these one-off cryptids that show up a couple times and you don't see them again how about the three-legged enfield horror in illinois don't remember the year but this thing was was not it was scratching at the door they opened it up it had kind of pinkish eyes. Its arms were coming out of its chest, and it had three legs. <laughs> so the, the guy went after it with a with a shotgun. And somebody else, an independent, two other people, I think, saw it in that same area. And then that was it. There was the uh, in the '60s, I think it was maybe '70s. The Dover Demon shows up in Massachusetts, and, and uh, it's this little thing. Looks a little bit like a gray, kind of a big head. It's creeping along a uh, a, a uh, one of these stone fence lines and uh a couple of different people saw it uh within one night of each other and then it's gone so uh you know even even uh you know things like bigfoots and so forth will look differently sometimes but i mean mm-hmm. you, you will have the very different you know you have sort of the northwest bigfoots which are uh kind of uh, very uh, sort of flesh and blood hairy even though they sometimes if you look at the ording washington events they can be very bizarre and, and they can disappear and, and, and so forth. But then you get the ones that Stan Gordon talked about that he covered in 73 and 74 in Pennsylvania. Do you, did we ever talk about that? The, the uh, really bizarre Bigfoots. No. In, in conjunction with, with, with strange lights and UFOs, there was a whole wave of this that happened. Uh, 
there was a, uh, oh, I, I'll have to tell you this incident if I haven't told it before. This encompasses so many things. Uh, the guy's name, I think, was Kovalchek. It was, uh, originally he was anonymous. And uh, they, uh, it's uh, February 73. And uh, he's with his family. There's about 15 people. They see this classic uh, UFO. It's a, a big ball of light and it's hovering over the field. So he takes okay. off in his truck with a couple of the young boys to see if they can look at it at a different angle. And it seems to, it's either landed on the ground or it's just hovering just above the ground, but now it's in the shape of a dome. And mm. it's this bright light. And then it's getting dark and there's a fence line about 75 feet away. Uh, he had, this guy has, uh, uh, has grabbed a, a 30 out six. Mm. There's a couple of, Bigfoots moving along this fence line, their extremely long arms, green glowing eyes. They're, they're making a noise kind of like a baby crying. And oh. they're walking toward this, I don't know if it's a craft or just a light or a projection, I, I don't know. But uh, he, he shoots at these things. The first thing is there's a couple of tracers where they just, you can just see it going through the air. And the, uh, the second tracer he shoots, the tall creature reaches up as if to grab it. And then the UFO, the light or whatever, completely winks out. The only thing that's left is kind of a, a round, a circular uh, uh, ball of light on, on the ground. And then these things change direction and they start to move away. So he figures, okay, he's calling the police. So now that's where Stan Gordon and his team came in later. So a, a, a trooper shows up and uh, there's still this glowing light on the, on the ground. So there's that there. And they, they hear the, he, he by the way, he, he shot at this thing, this Bigfoot, and he's sure he hit it, but he said it sounded like a bullet going into the water. Oh. So anyway, the trooper shows up, it's all dark. They hear something moving out there and it's like it, it charges the fence line. Jesus. So he and the trooper for the figure, we're going to get out of here. <laughs> so they, Stan Gordon had a, uh, had a system set up where actually the local police would call him when, they, when these things were going on. It started with the Kecksburg incident in the middle 60s. So Stan mm -hmm. and his team go out there. This guy, Krubelchek, is explaining what happened. Bigfoot's gone. The glowing light's gone. And then this guy starts to have a fit. He starts to stamp his feet. He's rubbing his, his face. And then he starts growling and howling. This oh. guy's poor father thinks that these Bigfoot creatures have somehow possessed him. But he, <laughs> he, then he collapses. And so they, they pick him up and uh, they hand him his glasses. He looks at the glasses and he says, whose are these? I don't need these. And uh, so, uh, and they're, they're all freaked out. I mean, uh, Stan's got some, uh, a couple of uh, people trained in science, you know, scientists with him. And they're all kind of unnerved by the way this guy reacted. So they, uh, uh, they, later on, they question him. And he doesn't remember anything about this strange fugue he had. They had Dr. Bertolt Schwartz come in and examine him. And uh, he, he just wow. didn't remember that. But here's what he remembered. What he saw was a shadowy figure in a hood with a sickle giving him prophecies oh. about dire predictions of, of, of times to come. Oh. 
Oh my chills. god! I'm covered in chills. I think maybe I'd rather see a Bigfoot charging me than me too. Grim yeah, than the Grim Reaper. Reaper. <laughs> and so, Gosh. And so they they what they want they wanted to put him under regressive hypnosis to see if they could find yeah. anything else. But they thought with this weird spell he had, we just better leave it alone for a while. Two years later, they go to him and say, "Listen, uh, do, would you mind if we put you under hypnosis about that night?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, what do you mean? You guys came back two weeks later." Two weeks later, two men came to him, one in plain clothes, one dressed like an Air Force officer, pretended to be associated with Stan's group. And they said, we're going to get back to you. They they did. They put put him under hypnosis, apparently, said, we'll get back to you. Supposedly, they showed him a book full of UFO pictures and Bigfoot creatures and wanted him to pick out which was close to what he saw. And that's not all. As you know, people that have these bizarre experiences sometimes take on psychic abilities that they've never had. Exactly. Well, he started to be able to uh, prophesy things like plane crashes and that kind of thing. Mm. And this guy was, it was so out of his experience. He hated it. Also, Mm. he had some kind of a strange relationship with birds. Birds would, uh, would come and and land on him or or whatever. It just, it was just so bizarre here. You people want to say, you know, see, I, I say, look, it's too simplistic to say the spaceship came down, let the Bigfoots out to wander around, you know, stretch <laughs> their legs. It just doesn't. I look at these things as sort of what I would call a paranormal diorama. Perhaps the whole thing is staged. Perhaps the whole thing is projected, but way too simplistic to say that the Bigfoots were either driving or passengers in this thing, which disappeared. And, you know, it just the whole thing doesn't make any sense. Just like uh, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. If you isolate certain aspects of it, you could say, well, it's a, it's an ET invasion or there are entities coming from other dimensions. When you look at the whole spectrum, there, there's weird <clears throat> poltergeist phenomena. The trickster uh, the phenomena seems to rear its ugly head. And there's mm-hmm. so many bizarre things that simply don't seem to fit a extraterrestrial invasion or you know, entities from elsewhere. It's uh, it's just very, very hard to get your mind around these things. When you have all this stuff happening at the same time or in the same area. It really I, is. The, even the men in black thing, like the lost time and the men in black thing I've said before, that to me, especially with the Mothman, um, it really is, for people to have those descriptions, um, but this whole thing where somebody is paying attention to these other things and people are having actual memories, they're seeing them and they're telling, like some were in like restaurants or they worked in the diner when it was connected to Mothman and they saw them, they came in, they talked to them and then everybody tried to deny that ever happened. Right. Uh, you know, that, that in his case that he already spoke to somebody and gave them all the information and was shown pictures, that's to me that's just like that another piece of it that other people are aware that these things are happening right. and we're kept in the dark until an episode all. happens or we <laughs> encounter it we kind of step into it one it's of like the weirdest the x-files oh, one of yes. the weirdest men in black encounters uh jenny randalls who is an excellent uh researcher british researcher has written mm-hmm. many many books she, she's the one that coined the term the oz factor mm. and that's oh. when everything gets quiet 
you know, people are out and something, they know something has happened, something's going on, right. but they don't hear birds or, or anything like that. I think it's very quiet. That's the Oz factor. But she wrote a book on men in black encounters. And one of them in England, <clears throat> these men that, that seemed like they were from the government, they showed up right. in a car. It wasn't a black Cadillac, but they, this one young lady had seen a UFO in the area and had reported it. And they, they came in, the, the, her parents didn't understand. They just welcomed them in without any question. They you know, almost like, you know, the, the vampire, you have to, you right, have to right. be welcomed in in order. And so one of them started firing questions at her and she was, you could tell she was kind of disturbed and the questions weren't particularly, uh, I can't remember, you know, she, she gave us what they were, but they were, weren't particularly illuminating or, or, or anything mm -hmm. like that. And so Jenny Randall's got the idea, well, why don't we, this is a really bizarre incident. Why don't we just put her under hypnosis to see what was going on in her mind? Well, mm -hmm. the other man, according to her under hypnosis, was also firing questions at her telepathically, intermittently from the other one. Mm. Both sets of oh. questions weren't particularly interesting or illuminating. It was just a completely bizarre experience. Like so many of these don't really seem to make any sense. Like an interview, just a boring old interview. Yeah, two, but but going on one one mental one verbally, one mentally. Jeez. Which is, I gotta say, tie in with other things if our listeners have ever heard. That is what they've said for years about communication with um, angelic beings. So are you are you putting your parameter on it? You think it's an angelic being because you're a Christian and or you have a, a strong faith? Or are you saying um, I'm having a telepathic um, conversation with an extraterrestrial? Um, but the description is exactly the same. So that's that to me is fascinating that that's another one of those things where they say they talk back and forth and it's not anything that's like, you know, earth shaking, but they're doing it. They're right. They're doing it mind to mind. Well, how about where these things sort of cross over? I was at a Michigan MUFON meeting. Of course, MUFON is a mutual UFO mm -hmm. network. And, you know, we before we did the speaker, we're, we're, we're having brunch and everybody's talking. And there's one nice uh, little little old lady. And uh, uh, it said to me, would you like to hear my man in black experience? Well, mm -hmm. when a little old lady says, do you want to hear my man in black experience? You say, yes. Right. Yes, ma'am. So, <laughs> she this happened about the 1960s. She and her husband had just been married. They're in the Las Vegas area. They're hitchhiking. They don't have much money at, at the time. They're picked up by a black car. Uh, she didn't know if it was a Cadillac or not. I asked her. Two men inside wearing classic men in black accoutrements, uh, uh, black suits and, and fedoras. But I asked her if they looked kind of odd or whatever. And she said, no, they look normal. One thing she said that stood out, she said, without which she volunteered the information, the dashboard looked like it had lights on it and dials and so forth that were flashing. That mm. comes up in a couple really obscure men in black experiences. Not very often, but I thought, well, that's interesting. And like a spaceship car. <laughs> so they they took her, took them along to where they wanted to go. And they got, got to the point where they wanted to be let out. And they stopped. And one of the men turned to them and said, you know, we think you should wait a little while. And then they both fell asleep. Oh. They woke up later. They don't know how long they were asleep. 
And they didn't, they weren't, you know, as so many people do, they don't, they didn't question the strangeness of this, all this at the time. Later on, they said, boy, that was, you know. So they went to a, a little, little motel and they walked in and the guy behind the counter almost fell over. He said, it's a good thing you guys did not get here any earlier. And she said, well, what do you mean? It turned out that another couple didn't look exactly like them, but they were dressed similar, could have very easily been mistaken for them. They had robbed a store or, or something, and the police had apprehended them. If they had shown up earlier, they could have easily been mistaken for the people that actually, the criminals wow. actually did this. Wow. But because so they were, cool. they were quite, now men in black are supposed to be evil, sneaky, dastardly uh, uh, people. But right. this is more like the, we've heard, all, all heard, angelic experiences where the, the, the people are in dire need, the mysterious stranger shows up and helps them out of their difficulty and they turn around and they're gone. Mm, wow. that. So that's where, they, you know, where these things sort of cross over. You know, you're trying to put things in category, make sense of them, trying to figure it out. And then you get one of these things, these head-on collisions that are not separate. We had, I had an Oz factor experience that kind of ties into what you were talking about, like the geologic um, qualities of these certain areas, like the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, we used to go to uh, Cape May every summer, uh, Cape May, New Jersey. And that's, uh, um, they have Cape May diamonds, which are, which are quartz. Then you've got the ocean, which is with the negative, negatively charged ions and just the history there. Uh, we rented a house and my parents and all of our kids were asleep. My husband and I were up on like the third level deck and it's Cape May is like, a, is like, like, like Eden. It's like all the chirping mm -hmm. is a wildlife refuge. So we can, it's in the like July. So we can hear every peeper, every, the frogs are singing crickets, everything. And we're enjoying ourselves up there, you know, maybe having a glass of wine and all of a sudden it was as though a cone of silence just slid right over us. And as the sound around us faded, all of a sudden, right at eye level, it looked, uh, it was ectoplasm is what I thought it was. Like when you put cream in coffee, it's just that misty, like classic ghost look. Those, these things danced in front of us. Was my husband. Like, was it mm -hmm. sort of like a shimmer at all or was it just a mist? Just a mist. No okay. shimmer whatsoever. And they looked as though they were dancing or just communicating together. And I looked at my husband and I see crazy stuff all the time. I said to my husband, who's a police officer? Are you seeing this? He goes, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and that went on, I'm thinking, for about 15 whole minutes. And then they started to fade and the sound gradually came back. And we're just standing there, you know, with these glasses of wine in our hands. And we're like, I just had one glass. I swear to God, that was amazing and then the the following night we were walking on the beach and my husband got to see his first ghost it was a, a ghost man with this ghost dog uh floating uh like the the old shoreline so i i had that oz experience oz factor experience well so did a, a lady named now uh, you're familiar with david politis the missing 411 books about the yes very very strange vanishings well yeah yes. the end of the one called hunters he talks about a case where uh, a woman who's a hunter, a bow hunter. She's up in her blind. She, about 15 feet from her, she sees this blur or shimmer or whatever. Uh, there, there, it's, it's something that shows up in Bigfoot reports. Uh, Tom Powell called it the Quicksilver Curtain. Mm. Uh, the uh, 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 Sally Shepard Wolford called it the, uh, 
the, um, the shimmer, I think. And, but anyway, there was something that was jumping around from tree to tree, but it was mm. somehow cloaked. But also she experienced mm. that, that, that it, where everything got very quiet. And she took a photograph of it. Now her husband is the famous Bruce McAbee who was a photographic expert in the Navy. He examined this photograph and it was published in the book and you see this blur and off to the side are these black hairs coming out. No. And again, another pattern because the, if you read Valley of the Skookum by Sally Shepard Wolford, she's the mother of Autumn Williams, who's a famous Bigfoot researcher. Mm -hmm. uh, when they were in Ording, Washington in the early 70s, they saw these, the shimmer or whatever. And the, the local Native American tradition was that that's where Bigfoot, it, that was the portal that Bigfoot stepped through. Tom yeah. Powell, who wrote a book called uh, The Locals and uh, The Edge of Science, uh, he was, uh, came from the perspective that Bigfoot was simply an unknown primate. But then he found there was a great deal of high strangeness. And <laughs> he found some certain Bigfoot researchers that tended that way and also seen this, what he calls the Quicksilver Curtain. So this pattern keeps showing up. One other quick thing with Tom Powell, he, uh, he was up in Northern Oregon, maybe, not sure. And he would, uh, he had his, his sleeping bag and, and every uh, 15 minutes or so, he would do the tree knocking. And he, he did this off and on all night, mm -hmm. nothing. He drives three hours home gets out of his car and hears the return three knock. No. Three now he said, it's pretty unlikely. I mean, he's kind of lives out. It's kind of a rural area. Pretty unlikely that somebody was just standing out there to, uh, to Mess uh, hoax him. him. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's almost, and if that's the case, I mean, what, what was that? Did they, was there a telepathic convention from uh, Lester, the Bigfoot up north uh, to Larry? <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Larry, let's mess with Tom now. Boy, hit, hit, hit the, hit the uh, do the tree knocks and, and see him really flip. Or the Bigfoot so, phone system. Hey. <laughs> but, but there just certain, there just yeah. is something very, very uh, strange about uh, the, these cryptids and these experiences. It's just like when we have ghosts that come through the TV. If, if I watch any of those, those ghost hunting shows, they'll they'll come through and they'll be in my house and then i have to deal with them yep. so it's craziness it is crazy well this again steve we've got to have you back on yes more because like i said i've never heard of this i i'm so thrilled you came on and you told us the story and we got to talk about a lot of other cryptids yeah. and, and strange well, ufo definitely things check out linda godfrey's book she's uh uh she's covered all kinds of different cryptids great, great researcher. I've had the uh, opportunity to meet her and she's just an amazing, amazing lady. Well, I've definitely got it on my list now. Probably so from if understand. our <laughs> listeners, Steve, want to see you, you're doing some public things. Tell us about your public things and how our listeners can get a hold of you. I'm, uh, I do the High Strangeness Factor on the Paranormal UK radio network. Uh, I'll be on a brief hiatus, I think. I'm, I, it looks like I'm going to be moving. Don't ask me where. I'm not sure. Okay. But uh, I'm also uh, at the uh, end of April in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I'll be speaking at the Beast of Bray Road Conference. You can check that awesome. out. And there's something in, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, where there was supposed to be a UFO crash in 41. Uh, in early in August, that's not all put together yet, I don't think, but I'll be speaking there as well. And uh, I just got word from Jeff Wamsley, 
but there will definitely be a Mothman Festival this year. That's the third weekend in September. Ooh. So you definitely want to come to the Mothman Festival. I think Especially now with everything opening up, I think people would love that. Yes. Got to get back out there. Well, we, yeah. we had to skip two years and you can, oh. if you, you pay your $5 for Saturday night, I can bring you on a tour through the dreaded TNT area where the Mothman once walked and oh. a guaranteed flyover of the Mothman or some reasonable facsimile thereof. I gotcha, gotcha. Oh, I that's love so it. I think that's awesome. Um, and how can they reach you? How can they get oh, a hold uh, of you? Uh, just type in Steve Ward on Facebook. Uh, Battle Creek, if you type in Battle Creek, you'll probably find the right Steve Ward, so. Okay. Okay. Steven, thank you again so much, so, so much. much. And I can't wait for you to come back. Anytime you think of a topic, we want you back because yeah, you you're definitely us. our cryptid guy. They're our fan um, favorite. Fan yeah, favorite. fan favorite, definitely. It's um, fun the way these things all link together, isn't it? It's, it is. It's fun because like you introduced us to really two others, two other guests we had on because of you that, right. that connected with these other people. Oh, so um, I like that, you know, that, that synchronicity, the chain of, of, of friends. So it's yeah. awesome in this kind of field, this work. Um, Michelle, what shows or things are you gonna have uh, coming up? I have coming up uh, on March 26th, which is a Saturday, I will be at the Century Club in Amsterdam on Guy Park Avenue, uh, 11 to 6. It's the Psychic Fair, and it's a fundraiser, uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a bunch of, I'll be reading, there's a bunch of different readers, psychics, mediums, palm readers. Uh, there's um, Barb Nesnick will be there with Willow Tree Wisdom with all kinds of wonderful things for sale, and a couple other, like Crystal Reiki, uh, all kinds of things to buy. And plus they have a bakery. <laughs> so that's always a good thing. <laughs> snack. So that's a lot of fun. And then on April, oh God, I'm sorry. I can't remember. I'm so bad with numbers. It is April 2nd. I will be at Crystal Reiki. They're having an anniversary psychic fair and that is 10 to 4. And there'll be some other readers there as well, and lots of fun shopping, as as with uh, the the one in March. And many as well. many of the guests that we've had on this show probably will be there. Will be there, yes. I yeah, that people three. get to meet in person. So exactly. And yeah, for the the one in Amsterdam, just show up and uh, then go and sign up with whomever you want for mini readings. You could you can get a bunch of different mini readings with a bunch of different people. And then the Crystal Reiki, if you want to go there. That's in Amsterdam as well. Um, you call ahead and reserve a reading with one of the wonderful readers who will be there. Awesome. Um, Dee, do you have any things or, or announcements stuff that's coming up? Announcements? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, if you're, you know, if you're not going to go to the Psychic that. Fair on March 26th, I'll be hanging out at Chowderfest in Saratoga. Gotcha. Which is, well, then they can look for you there. Are you doing yeah. a presentation? Are you doing it with iHeart? Yeah, I'll be there with the radio station. It's normally something that they do, I think, in January, but they postponed right. it March 26th this year. All right, so for our listeners, go looking for, for D. Scott and, and you, tell him you, you like If you want, I can give thing. you a reading while you come. Or... <laughs> He's gotten yeah, really you're good. Getting good at it. You're getting good at it. He I mean, is. I can guess. I just make some stuff up. But you think um, you're guessing? It's really psychic. <laughs> I also like to think like you should go with Steve because um, D has the ability. He's like our our ghost bait. magnet. He's yeah, our bait. He's our bait. So bring him to the Mothman um, expedition that you're having. Yeah, that sounds I'm like sure a horrible idea. I, I think it's awesome. 
sign up for that? Don't we have contracts for that? Exactly. We do. Yes. Yeah. Saying that. That's Who the hell signed the contract? The money. <laughs> I think it was your mom. No Anyways. Um, and for myself, I do have a show coming up at Vapor Casino. It's the first one in two years. I am happy to say that it's sold out. But it's exciting because it just shows that everything's opening back up again. Yay. And I know. Wonderful. And end of October, um, if you guys are into it, you guys can come to Ireland with me. We have um, still mm. some room. We're going to be doing Haunted Ireland with Pack Your Bags Travel. Contact Connie. It is affordable. It is amazing. And we're going to be going to areas like Belfast, um, Bunratty Castle. So really great stuff again on this trip. I can tell you that it was an amazing experience last time with Pack Your Bags Travel and CIE in Ireland. You guys don't want to miss it. If you can, if it's on your bucket list, you will not be sorry that you signed up. So mm -hmm. check it out through my website and through um, Pack Your Bags Travel. And that is it. I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners um, thank you, for thank you. liking. I know for liking us, following us, subscribing, um, sending us suggestions and sharing us. Please keep it coming in. And we promise to have more wonderful guests on like Steve. So thank you all again. Thank you guys. Good night. When I'm crawling through the night, God and Satan by my side, and I'm haunted in the dark.